All right, the book of First Timothy, First Timothy chapter number one. First Timothy chapter number one. Thank you for the music, and I look forward to uh, tonight's Bible study. And I'm going to uh, hurry and get into it uh, because I want to uh, let us out on time. And uh, if you don't know what time it is that we dismiss on Wednesday night, it's whenever I get done. And so. Uh, I want to make sure we get out in a timely manner tonight, but uh, we'll be reading in 1 Timothy chapter 1. We'll start with verse number 1, but I want to remind you that last Wednesday night we began a series I've entitled, A Charge to Keep, and Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, his son in the faith, and I remind you that Paul was an apostle. Uh, Paul's conversion took place on the, Damascus, the road to Damascus, and uh, he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. I remind you. He was a vile, wicked man who murdered Christians, who closed down churches. That was his mission. And uh, he met Jesus and got saved. And he's a good example for all of us that anybody can get saved. Uh, and, and the power of the gospel will save any man. Uh, but the faith that Paul had, and we're going to see an emphasis this whole series. Uh, it's probably 10, 12 uh, lessons long at least. And an emphasis, as we've already seen uh, through the different studies uh, from the epistles of, of the Apostle Paul, um, the, an emphasis on the faith, the emphasis on what we believe. And I remind you that Paul got his faith from Jesus Christ. He got it from him. Now he is committing it to Timothy. It is as if Jesus gave it to Timothy. And we can continue that from faithful man to faithful man. That's why it's important for us to be faithful when those have handed to us and turn and entrust it to somebody else uh, because that's how we got the gospel. And so uh, Paul receives this right from, from the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's why doctrine does matter. I would say that the doctrine of Christ is what we should put our emphasis on, and it does matter, and so he, get, he got it, he gives it to Timothy, and tonight we're going to look at a different aspect this evening, 1 Timothy chapter number 1 and verse number 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions, rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. Tonight we're going to use this passage of Scripture, these first five verses, and the title of my Bible study this evening is A Personal Charge to Timothy. A Personal Charge charge to Timothy. We understand there's a charge to keep, and we looked at the text last week, uh, which Paul mentioned what had been committed to his trust. He reminded Timothy, this is also committed to your trust. We're going to look at the aspect a little closer of a personal charge to Timothy. Father, help us tonight as we look into your word. These truths are not only life-changing truths, uh, they're certainly very important. They're important to you. Uh, which makes them important to us. And Father, may we uh, hear what you have for us this evening. May uh, we 
embrace uh, the responsibility we have. May we realize the responsibility we have. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to remind you, as we've looked at this series, a charge to keep. Uh, last week, we looked at verse number 18, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy. Uh, we, we used last week as kind of an overview of that theme, a charge to keep. Tonight, we're looking at a personal charge to Timothy. Let me remind you the definition of the word charge. That which is enjoined, committed, entrusted, or delivered to another, implying care, custody, oversight, or duty to be performed by the person entrusted. Paul is handing a responsibility to Timothy. He's placing a care on him. He's placing a custody on him. There is no greater care, no greater responsibility than the care of the gospel. And we need to be reminded, I'm hoping this series reminds us uh, of, the, of the importance that we have, of what we have been entrusted. We haven't just received the gospel. Aren't you thankful you've received the gospel? But we've also been, when we received it, we were entrusted with it. And so that charge is being placed to Timothy. Now, I'm gonna, I'll make a couple of practical points, very simple points. We see in verse number two, uh, we know who Paul is writing to, unto Timothy. It is unto Timothy, he says, my own son in the faith. Uh, this is important, and I want to bring it out tonight, because this reminds us that there is a personal relationship between Paul and Timothy. It, it, and I'm sure there were many times where Paul preached the gospel, many times where Paul taught, many times where Paul uh, started these churches, and he'd go back and visit these churches he would teach of the need of getting the gospel out. It was a very general appeal to serve God, a very general appeal to uh, be a disciple of Christ. But we know in this letter that it is a very personal matter. Uh, under my own son in the faith, there is a personal uh, relationship. Paul reminds us that there is a personal investment. Uh, there's a mindset today and I don't, know any, I don't know any other way to put it, but just to be blunt, by a lot of rebels who grew up in Christian homes and Bible-preaching churches that say, this is just what I want to do, don't take it personal. That is not only not only practical, it is not possible, it's not scriptural. When someone invests in us with the gospel, that is a personal investment. I'll use the illustration as a pastor and as a preacher. I chose to surrender the call that God placed on my life. I am living my life to invest in someone else. I don't have a lot of money to give somebody, so what I do is I invest my time. When I pray for each and every one of you, I'm investing my time. I'm investing my life. When I take time and sit in counsel, when I take time and the Lord burdens my heart about something that you've asked me to pray for or, or burdens my heart for one of you, that is time. That is my life. And so to say, after I have made an investment, don't take it, it is my life. There is an investment there. Same is true of parents. Same is true of a Sunday school teacher. Same is true of a soul winner. It is applicable in the sense that there is a personal investment. And, I, and I'm making this point on purpose because when Timothy received that letter, Timothy knew the investment that Paul had made in him. It carried more weight. I believe Timothy was a surrendered man to what the Lord had for him, but it carried more weight because 
his mentor. Uh, he was his son in the faith. He, he carried weight with him because it was from Paul. I'm laying that groundwork to remind us of the personal charge to Timothy, but also to get us to see we must also take the charge personally. We read this epistle, the, the, the book of 1 Timothy, and Paul is saying to Timothy, I've committed this to you. We can apply that to know that the same gospel is committed to us. And with the same personal appeal, we ought to take it personally. We ought to take what has been entrusted to us personally. Quite frankly, our churches are in, and some of our churches are in the condition they're in. Our nation is in the condition it's in because Christians, for a generation, at least a generation, have been flippant with what has been given to them. It doesn't matter if we go soul winning or not. It doesn't matter if we have, uh, if we are holy, holy people or not. It doesn't matter uh, if we continue or not. It doesn't matter if I follow through with what I surrender to God or not. And quite frankly, we need to take it personally. And there's a personal charge to Timothy. Now, I'm going to hop into the outline with that as the foundation and get through this as quickly as I possibly can. I want us to see this personal charge. Number one, there's a charge considering his duty. Look at verse number three. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Paul did not just say, here's a charge. Figure it out. He said, here's a charge. I'm going to tell you what is your duty, what is your responsibility. And I want this to speak to me personally. I want this to speak to all of us personally. We have a responsibility. We have a duty of what we do with the gospel, with the word of God, with the faith. And I want you to notice uh, there's uh, a few phrases in this that I want us to see in verse number three. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus. Paul and Timothy had co-labored. Paul is going to move on as he tells us. He, he's, he's moving into Macedonia. The Lord is moving him. But he says at Ephesus, he gave him specific instructions about a specific place. What he's implying and indicating is there should be a continuation of the work. I am going to, uh, I besought thee to abide still. Fulfill your responsibility. Oh, we need a, we need a, 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 a revival of that. Now, this is the duty that I have. This is the responsibility that I have. And uh, you ushers, it's your responsibility. Nursery workers, it's your responsibility. Uh, those of you that are in music, it's your responsibility. To every preacher of the gospel, it's their responsibility. It is our responsibility. Well, I'm just wanting to see what the Lord has for me. We use so many generalities. And why don't we get the mindset to abide still uh, where we've been given to serve? He said there needs to be a continuation of the work, and that would require faith. Now notice in verse number 3, when I went into Macedonia, Paul leaving Timothy in his stead. They're co-laboring. Now I'm leaving you. Now when I'm in Macedonia. Simply put, Paul can't be in two places at once. So he needed Timothy to get into work. 
He needed Timothy to be faithful. And there's so much, and I plan, I plan on putting this into, the, into a book, and when I do, I'll, I'll, spend, I'll run all the rabbit trails uh, probably. But, um, you know, we need to get out of this mindset. It's the, it's the pastor's responsibility. It's the staff member's responsibility. Uh, Paul could not be in two places at one time. Uh, and Timothy had to take the charge concerning his duty. Uh, wouldn't it be wonderful if every Christian said, it is my duty, it is my responsibility to help a new Christian, to propagate the gospel, to preach the gospel to every creature? See, Paul leaving Timothy in his stead, he couldn't be in two places at once. In order, don't miss this, in order for the work to continue, Timothy had to do the work or in other words, accept the charge. And we, we complain about our country being the condition it is. But for a generation, we've had many refuse the charge. I'm going to sit back and I, 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 I preached a message a couple Sunday nights ago to the young men. And I was very pleased with how, uh, they were, they, uh, how most responded. I was very pleased with that. You know, there's, there we want to complain about the America that we're going to have and yet some don't want to answer the charge. You know, believe it or not, I am getting older. I'm still younger than everybody I saw just smile right there. But I, I'm not going to be here forever. And the older I get, it seems to be the busier I get, the less strength I have. Uh, that's just the way it is. So that's, the, that's, the, that's God's plan with the ministry. Timothy, I'm going, and you stay at Ephesus, and you're going to continue the work that has to be done. And that's the responsibility of all of us to accept the charge. Well, I, can you imagine, Timothy? Well, I, didn't, I had someplace else in mind. Ephesus. Why should I stay at Ephesus? Well, that's the spot that the work was being done. You need to stay there. God help us never get that mindset, get that attitude. This is where I am. This is what God has for me. And I want to accept the charge. So he said to abide still, there's a continuation of the work that needs to, to take place. This was his duty. This was his responsibility. It was what God had for him to do. Now notice again in verse number 3. It's going to tell us part of his, uh, continue to tell us what Paul expected in his responsibility. That thou mightest, notice the two words, charge some. Charge some that teach no other doctrine. He was to charge some. What was he to charge? Remember the definition of that word, implying care, custody, oversight, to charge them that they, they don't teach any other doctrine. I'll say more about that in the next point. But he was to charge some as Paul charged him. Please don't miss this, Christian. As your pastor charges you, you should serve in a capacity where you're charging somebody else. As your Sunday school teacher charges you, you should serve in a capacity where you can charge somebody else. Quite frankly, that's the plan for every child of God. That's why God gives us the church. It's somebody who's a new Christian, somebody who's not serving, somebody who can grow in their faith. Why do we grow? So we can, we can, we can, we can be proud that we know so much Bible, and we can do, I want, you, I want you to know as much Bible as you can, but why should you learn more Bible? So you can do more 
we got too many intellectual Christians who do nothing for the cause of Christ. We learn so we can do. And it ought to be the desire of everyone that there's somebody, every parent, my child, I, I, I'm learning, so I'm going to charge my child, um, a co-worker, a friend, a new Christian, a new church member. He's charging some as Paul charged him. Don't miss this. The responsibility was to charge some as only Timothy could do. Paul was leaving Timothy, which means Paul couldn't charge anybody else. But Timothy could. Please don't miss this truth. There's, there's so many tonight, but I don't want you to, I'll say this again and again, but don't miss this truth. Um, if, if, if Timothy rejected the charge, did not accept the charge, did not accept the duty, this was not going to get done. I think we're going to be surprised, probably ashamed to realize how much it did not get done in the work of God because we thought somebody else was doing it. Uh, I want you to be reminded, just as there was, this was something only Timothy could do, every person in this room, no matter who you are, no matter how long you've been saved, no matter how short you've been saved, no matter what gifts you have, no matter what gifts you don't, no matter what your testimony is, what your background is, there is something that God intends you for to do in His work that only you can do. There is someone you're going to cross the path of that you're the only one that's going to cross the path of. And you've got to be willing to accept the charge when it comes to the ministry, accept the charge, you remember when we had that series on ministry companions? One of the things I emphasized over and over and over again is we're all in the ministry. That's the intent God has for all of us to be in the ministry. We all should be serving. And so he charged him as, as some. He, went, he was in charge some as Paul charged him. And as only Timothy could do with his gifts, he was in Ephesus. And where you serve... Uh, let's 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 be reminded tonight to treat that as as important because that's where you serve. Uh, the people you work around, uh, those godless heathens, they may be, but God puts you in the midst of them to be a witness. Only you are going to be able to do that. Uh, he this is his, this is his duty. He accepted it. And we need to quit complaining. As Christians, this is going to be a very blunt series, by the way. I'm usually not blunt, but uh, he's, it's going to be a reminder of us that we need to accept the responsibility and quit shirking our responsibility uh, to do what we're supposed to do. There are some people that only you can reach. Only you have the opportunity. Notice the words in verse number 4. After he talks about Things not to give heed to. I'll go through this verse in just a moment. The last two words, so do. Uh, so do. He, Timothy was to remain there and perform his duty. This was a specific charge in a specific place. It's what he was supposed to do. This is what Paul is charging him. And... You and I, we ought to be helped and reminded tonight that God has a specific thing for us to do at a specific place. You realize that God put all of us here together in the Emmanuel Baptist Church. 
Uh, I mean, it's quite a combination of backgrounds and people. That's the church. God uses the church. So we're at a specific place. God has us in Jacksonville, Florida, at the Emmanuel Baptist Church. We need to accept the charge, and he's given a charge concerning his duty. It was a specific charge in a specific place. So do. We see, number one, a charge considering, uh, concerning, his, concerning his duty. Number two, we have a charge considering his doctrine. Look at me again in verse number three. We've already looked at it a couple of times. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach, what's those last three words? No other doctrine. There's one doctrine that is of Christ. I know we live in a world to coexist, and we live in a world that, uh, well, I don't agree with that, so therefore I can create my own. That, that's not reality. Uh, I remind you that the faith was, the Jude tells us, the book of Jude tells us, the faith once delivered to the saints. It had to come again. It had to come because it's 2021. Once delivered. And the charge is, notice every word in your Bible is important. Notice what it says, no other doctrine. This is the doctrine of the apostles. This is the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was to supersede what everybody had loyalty to, the law. It was to supersede as they, as they went into all of these uh, um, different uh, cities in, in those missionary journeys. It superseded their pagan worship. It was the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the doctrine that we are to hold to. And part of his charge was considering the, the doctrine. You and I cannot be a faithful Christian if we're not faithful to the doctrine. You and I cannot be faith, a faithful Christian if we uh, tolerate in the sense that we are going to put aside uh, the, other, uh, the doctrine of Christ. Paul is saying, we have the doctrine. Now there's some there that are letting those around them influence them. There's some there who've been saved, and, but they're still holding on to some of the law. Some of them are letting the worshipers of false idols influence them. There is no other doctrine. He said, you charge them. No other doctrine. Narrow-minded. No other doctrine. This was non-negotiable. Uh, I don't think Paul was telling Timothy now, put your feelers out and see what's popular. No, he's, he, he was a charge concerning his doctrine. And the young men here, I know many of them are working tonight who tra train for the ministry, but if you're, uh, gonna, if you're called to preach, it's the doctrine. The doctrine of this church is not up for debate. It's not up for discussion. It's up for declaration. This is what we believe. Um, you know, it's amazing how quick many today, they'll just give up their doctrine. Um, I'm not giving up my doctrine. My doctrine is something I will die for. That's a hill I will die on. Because there's one doctrine. It's the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is, this, you know, this we, we, we are what we are. We believe what we believe, and that's what he's saying. I'm charging you. I'm committing this to you. 
I'm not committing to you any other doctrine but the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. And can I tell you something that breaks a preacher's heart and makes him angry at the same time? Is when there's somebody who grows up in their church, they're ordained, trained, and sent out, and they change their doctrine. Depending on the day, I weep over it. The next day, I'm pretty upset about it because there's no other doctrine. I had this ingrained into me. I'm so thankful for those who, 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 who invested in my life. I'm so thankful for those who influenced me. And uh, I am not budging on my doctrine. And that's the way we say, I'm glad I have a pastor that way. Every church member ought to be that way. Every church member ought to be that way. It is, it is, it is a shame. Uh, in the average church, we don't understand. We don't know doctrine, but... Uh, he's charging him considering his doctrine. I'm going to move to number three because I have just three pages of notes and point number three is a page and a half of the notes. So we have a charge considering his direction. He said, charge some that teach no other doctrine. We realize the importance of that. He's charging him. If he's going to accept that it. it's a personal charge. It's personal to him. But notice number, verse number four. Neither give heed to fables in endless genealogies. Now, I have to point out that, that verse number four is tied to verse number three. Charge some that they teach no other doctrine. The, the, the fables and the, and the genealogies are going to affect the doctrine. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies. I, I like the words that, the, that, that God uses in the words in the Bible, fables and endless genealogies. They have a question, well, then what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? And it's never ending. Reminds me of ever learning and never coming to the truth. And Paul is telling Timothy, you need to be concerned about this. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions. When Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel was entrusted. There wasn't a question mark put on it. It is the doctrine. It is the gospel. And there's many today that exist just to put a question on the doctrine. I, I preached on this a couple of weeks ago uh, from the book of, of, of 2 Timothy in Hebrews and and, and, ha and I made several statements several times. I'm not going to debate. I'm not going to discuss. I'm not going to revisit my faith and put a question on what I accepted by faith. It parallels with this. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith, so do. Notice the two words, rather than. I'm going to get ahead of myself, then back up. I can defend my faith, but I'm to edify the brethren. That's my number one responsibility. I'm to study the Word of God as a pastor. I'm to pray. I'm to witness. I'm to shepherd you, shepherd this church. 
I'm to make a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm to lead this church to try and reach the world with the gospel. I'd say, Pastor, can we reach the entire world? We may not be able to personally. We're going to do everything we can to try and do it. We're at least, when, we, when God called us all home, we're going to be, we did everything we could. We're going to do our part. That's my responsibility. If I have time left over from doing that, then I may discuss with you what doctrine you want to debate. Am I making sense? We are called to preach the gospel. I'm not called to to defend my faith on the internet. You know, these guys who, who, you know, I was like, how do they do it? I don't have enough time to do everything. I don't have enough time to do the Bible studies I want to do. I don't have enough time to pray for everything I want to pray for. When I get done with all that, I don't have any time. I don't know how they do it. Well, I know how they do it. Those words, rather than. Notice those words. You want to circle those words in your Bible. Those two words, rather than, determines his direction with the admonition in verse number 4. I don't have time to teach on this tonight, but I'm going to mention it. Direction is important. A new Christian who just gets saved, gets into a Bible-preaching church, they're going the right direction. A Christian who's been in church is backslidden, and on their way out, they're going the wrong direction. At some point, they're going to pass each other. They're going to have the same standards. They're going to have the same walk with God. They're going to have... The problem is, one's going in the wrong direction. There's a lot of young preachers that start out in the right direction. But yet, they get introduced to somebody who wants to talk about endless genealogies and fables. Rather than those two words will determine direction. A charge considering his direction, he says, look at the beginning of verse number three. He said, neither give heed. You know what that means? It means give no serious consideration to. Paul is saying to Timothy, don't waste your time with fables and endless genealogies. Neither give heed. He's saying, give no serious consideration to. To what? I'm glad you asked that question. Fables and endless genealogies which minister questions. Timothy is being charged by Paul... He's being charged with solidifying, not questioning, the beliefs of those Christians. Timothy, one reason I'm leaving you behind at Ephesus is because there's a lot of knuckleheads who are asking a lot of dumb questions. I'm putting it in everyday vernacular there. They don't matter, and all it is is to bring confusion and have those baby Christians to shake their faith in the gospel. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of Christians, I believe, a lot of men and women who are saved, but they, they got 
unfortunately, came across somebody like this, and then they wonder after their salvation, am I really saved? Am I really saved? Because there's some who teach fables and endless genealogies. My responsibility as your pastor is to build your confidence in the Word of God, not shake it. It's to build, and every pastor who sends a young man to train at North Florida Baptist College, I'm not having them question the perfection of the Word of God. I want to reinforce that it is the perfect, inspired, infallible Word of God. He says, don't give any heed, give no consideration to things that bring questions. Timothy, part of your job is to solidify solidify. You know, questions like they would have asked in this day, was, was Jesus really the Son of God? Is He the Son of God? Was He the prophesied Messiah, the, 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 the Old Testament prophets, those prophets? you got to remember, they didn't have a word of, the, the Word of God they, like we have it. We didn't have that. Was He really? Those Pharisees, they put a question on Christ's deity, didn't they? Did Jesus, did he really raise from the dead? I mean, there was no Facebook Live to document that. You know, fake news existed back then too. If you read, read the account, how they all got together and said, what's our story? The disciples stole him. So there was questions. I, I can imagine these those that taught these fables and endless genealogies, well, did you see him resurrected? Well, if you didn't see him with your own eyes, how do you really know? I talked to Dr. So-and-so, and, and he said that he confirmed that he didn't raise from his endless genealogies. Did Jesus really ascend to heaven? Again, did you see it? Or did you just hear about it? Putting a question in that place, certainly applicable to what's being written here, is the gospel the way to heaven or is it the law? Is it by grace or is it the law? Paul was instructing Timothy, you're to solidify that and don't give, he paid no attention. Somebody wants to debate, well, what about this genealogy, and this genealogy, and this genealogy, and this genealogy? Timothy, I met him. He saved me. He converted me. He entrusted me with the gospel. Timothy accepted that by faith. He was to solidify. And by the way, Paul would not have instructed Timothy or anyone else to watch a YouTube video teaching contrary to what he taught Timothy. And if I could just be real with you tonight, that is the dumbest thing in the world for a pastor to do is say, I want you to see both. What, what, what's, what, what, what are you thinking? I don't, well, pastor, do you know everything on the, no, I study this. I've accepted by faith this. Well, if you knew what, they, if you knew what this person, does, why do I want to know? I know what Jesus taught. Checkmate. Paul would not have instructed Timothy to read books written by those who are part of an unscriptural denomination because it's fables and endless genealogies. 
hang on. Paul would not have told Timothy to attend a conference where the false doctrine of Rick Warren is unknowingly interjected into teaching or would he have instructed Timothy to go against what his pastors and parents believed to see for himself? See, now the questions are, is the Word of God perfect? Can whosoever really be saved? Does holiness matter today or is it legalism? It's fables in endless genealogies. If, 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 if someone has a sincere question and wants to know, I am happy. Sit down with the Bible and show them. I, I believe, I, I, I'm pretty certain I preach the Word of God. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. If you'll just attend all of that, you'll learn a lot. If you'll read your Bible every day, the Holy Spirit of God will answer your questions through His Word. But if you start a question, Pastor, I just don't believe this, and I want you to prove it to me. I've got an appointment. You know, the, it's, you know, it's buy one, get one at Taco Bell, and that, that ends in an hour. i got to get there. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Why? Because there's there's greater things I have to do with my time. And this is part of what what the disciples were told. They go into a city and they don't want to hear the gospel. They told somebody, "Want to just shake the dust off your feet and move on," because there's somebody else who does want to hear it. Paul would say, "Neither give heed or give no serious consideration to give heed to those things which change direction." And I, lately, I've been I've been hitting these armchair theologians that because they have an iPhone in a YouTube channel or a podcast, they 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 think that they, you know, that, you know, I've been hitting that a lot because we live in a day of technology where, where before you didn't have to worry about that, but you need to know what to stay away from. I don't, I don't, I don't have time because there's too much responsibility that I don't feel like I have enough time to get to. Quite frankly, I don't think I read this book enough. I can spend hours in prayer, and I don't think I pray enough. When, just to be completely transparent, when, when, when one of us in fellowship falls out, the first thing I do is I look at myself, and I say, did I pray for them enough? Did I do enough? I don't have time to debate with you what, 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 what these endless genealogies. I hope this makes sense because Christians, they get caught up in that. Well, I learned this great truth. I learned this great truth. I learned this great truth. Let's go back to these words rather than. See what the Bible says? Neither give heed. Don't pay. Watch with me. Don't pay any serious attention to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions, which ask questions, which lead questions. It doesn't mean a question is bad. What the, the, the context is asking a question about your faith that leads you asking questions about doctrine that you know is right rather than, so we have a choice, godly, edifying, which is in the faith. You know, not one soul said, why, why are you, why are you, really on this lately, Pastor, because not one soul is saved by the fables and genealogies. 
if, and oh, this, 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 is, this does not make me popular amongst independent Baptist brethren, but by now I think, I think I'm okay with that. If everybody who spent three or four hours on the day on the internet debating would go soul winning, it might would make a difference. Because not one soul is saved by the fables and genealogies. Not one Christian grows in the faith by fables and genealogies. Not one church is helped by fables and genealogies. He is being instructed to solidify where there's questions. So there's a charge considering his direction. Christian, be careful. Don't get, don't get distracted. I learned this. How does it help you? Well, is there something that, does it get you to question? Uh, I'm not going to be around anything that gets me to question that book. Well, if you read this, I've had, I've had, I've had people try and give me, say, well, if you read this, you'd think differently. Think about, and then, then, then think about what they're saying. And they want to come off as a, your spiritual superior, and they're like, and they're barely shaven. If you would read this, you would change. You would, you would, you would think differently. You mean if I read a book written by man, I would think differently about the book written by God? I try and be nice and polite, but the thoughts that run through my head when I come to that conclusion. You're going to put your faith in a book by a man that contradicts what God has said? Um, it determines direction. I'm very careful. And, I, and you've heard me harping on it for about the last month. Eventually, I will move on. I think 2023 is when I have that scheduled. I will, I will move on. But I, I'm going to guard myself because it will change my direction. Many churches have died. Because they get up, caught up in all this Bible, all the Bible prophecy. I believe in Bible prophecy. But I, I, I don't have enough Sundays to preach on the second coming of Christ. I don't have enough Sundays to preach, preach on, on grace. I, I believe it. I'm, I'm for it. But I'm not going to stop at all these endless, when, when what I need to put into practice, what I know. Notice the two words, so do. So do. I give you number four. There's a charge considering his discipline. Now, already in the first four verses, there's a lot more in there than you thought. There's some pretty heavy instructions. Timothy, we've been working together. You stay. And while you're, I, I'm, I'm counting on you to stay in Ephesus. I'm counting on you while you're there to charge others as I've charged you and as only you can charge them. And he's charged them, he, he's charged them to consider his doctrine. Don't teach any other doctrine in his direction. Already, this is, this is a heavy responsibility for Timothy. It's heavy because it's important. 
you do realize that one drop of works in salvation is not salvation? That's why it's so important. If we don't accept the charge, as I preached to the young man a couple of Sunday nights ago, we're not getting any younger. The day's going to come. The Emmanuel Baptist Church, which has been a lighthouse of the gospel for decades, will no longer be a lighthouse for the gospel. Because we can get sidetracked. There's a rather than. So I'm saying, I'm reminding all of us that, I'm reminding us of that again, <coughs> because number four is a charge considering his discipline. Paul is going to give him some instruction in verse number five of how he can accomplish this. That's one thing I, I, I'm, I want to remind all of us. When God gives us a charge, he's not only going to help us do it, he's going to tell us how we can do it. And Timothy, this is, a, this is a long letter, and he hadn't got out of the first paragraph, and he's probably a little overwhelmed. So we, he gives him a charge considering his discipline. Now in verse number 5, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith and fame. What Paul is saying in this verse to Timothy is in order to fulfill this charge, it must be done out of a heart of love. This world is so confused. Unsaved religious people are so confused. Backslidden Christians are confused when they hear preaching like I've done tonight and I've done recently. I, don't, I mean, he just, what's his problem? You know, who's spitting his oatmeal? What's his? You cannot keep the charge any way but with a heart of love. I'll preach how I preach because I know what's at the end. I know the bridge is out. I know there's tears and sorrow at the end of that trail. I'll, I'll hold firm. I will, I will walk away from relationships, opportunities, I'll plant my feet on, on the doctrine of this book because I know heaven and hell hangs in the balance. And some of these who have given up their doctrine and they've dropped their colors a little bit, there are many who are going to be cast into hell because they did not hear the gospel. I don't want that on me. It, is, it would be easier for me, humanly speaking, to not take that stand. It would have been easier for Timothy, well, I know they're asking those questions and just, just trying to ignore it. No, Paul said, deal with it. Don't give any consideration to what they're saying, but you solidify. and You charge them, not, the, not you commit to them. This is the doctrine, don't, don't you sway from it. We're going to study in the rest of this book, Paul's very adamant, it's the doctrine or nothing. And there's some strong things that Paul writes, of course, inspired by the Spirit of God. It's an important thing. It would be, and this is why so many compromise today, because it's easier. It's easier. 
There's, there's many in here who, who are preachers, some in here who have pastored. You know the burden when the Lord wakes you up in the middle of the night and puts a sermon on your heart. Salvation, hell. Then you get to that church service and you have three families come up to you. My family surprised me today. And they're in church for the first time. And it's like, well, they're going to hate my guts when this is over. But they got to hear the truth. It would be easier. I mean, I could be the most popular pastor in town. With my charm. With my wit. With, with, that's all I got. We, it's not my responsibility. It would be easier. Mom and Dad, you know it. Some of you already reared your children. You know it would have been easier for you just to give in. Some of your family has disowned you or makes fun of you because you wouldn't do things with your family that they did. It would have been easier. You, teenager over here, you're going to learn, and the young people, the, the young adults, they do, you go out in this world, it's like, It'd be easier to say, well, I'm just going to go to one of those churches. You know, there's no, it, it's easier. But these churches who say they're about love, they have no love. Because the greatest love you can show an individual is how they can have forgiveness of their sins, of how they can be saved, born again, on their way to heaven. Tell them the truth. That is is what he's saying. In order to fulfill this charge, it must be done out of a heart of love. Love. Now notice what he says. Now, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart. Out of a pure heart. You know, there's no, Timothy, there's no motives but love. You're not going to be popular. Some are going to be upset at you. But you've got to come out of a pure heart. Pure heart. Well, if, you're, if we're going to serve together, and if you serve in a capacity of Emmanuel Baptist Church, I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm saying. This is the discipline that we must have. We don't serve in the bus ministry because it's convenient, but it's because of charity, it's of love. We don't teach a Sunday school class and take time out of our schedule to pray and go soul winning and visiting because it's convenient, it's because it's a discipline we have to have if we're going to keep the charge. It has to be love. There's nothing more exciting than that when the Lord blesses in that area, but we don't always feel like doing that. Yes, there's a sense of duty and responsibility because I've been handed this charge, but we have to have a heart of love. A love for the Savior, but a love for others. He says, of a good conscience as well in verse number 5. Quite frankly, Timothy, you gotta be you gotta be right with the God, right with God, and you gotta know. You've gotta have a clear conscience. You've gotta have a good conscience. You gotta be doing what you're supposed to be doing. And if it's the truth is rejected, you do what you're supposed to do. If if if, if some walk away, you did what you were supposed to do. And, and there's some truth to that because. It gives you no satisfaction when you see somebody reject the truth. But you can lay your head on your pillow knowing I did everything I was supposed to do. 
And parents, let me encourage you real quick. And even if you have small children, they're going to get older. They're going to be teenagers just like that. And sometimes it's just so much. Well, what if they reject? What if they don't take the charge? What if they reject everything that they've been taught growing up? Well, you know that for 18 years, you took them to Sunday school and you gave them a Christian education and you told them to listen to the pastor and you sent them to youth camp and, and you were a good example. No, you weren't perfect, but you were a good example in your home. And then if they reject, you can lay your head on your pillow and say, I had the discipline, I did, I did what I was supposed to do. It's, it, I mean, those of you that have worked in the, in the bus ministry for, for years, you know how it is. You, you work with a child, you work with a family, and you see them growing. They get saved, and they get baptized, and then all of a sudden something happens. But you can have a good conscience knowing I did what I did out of love, and I did everything I could do. Then he says, and a faith unfeigned. That word unfeigned means not counterfeit. It means real. He said, Timothy, if you're going to accept this charge, if you're going to accept this charge of your duty, that what I expect of you, what God expects of you, of your doctrine, of your direction, you've got to have real faith. You know, we live in a day when so many Christian people and religious people and church-going people Boy, they've got, a, they've got a great spiritual vocabulary. And all oh, the syrupy words and, oh, I'm just doing it all for the... Well, the real faith will show. And if you're going to do this, and quite frankly, this is, this is a good conclusion for you and I tonight. The discipline, we've got to do it out of a heart of love. We've got to have that pure heart, that good conscience, and that real faith. We live in a day, yes, God still blesses faith, but you've got to have it. And then I'm out of time. I want, to, I want you to turn to chapter number 6. And this is the conclusion. But as my wife and... Some other church members we recently spent some time with reminded me that my conclusion is often as long as the entire message. So I will not disappoint them tonight. He is in a charge concerning his discipline. Now look at 1 Timothy chapter number 6 and verse 20 and 21. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. The letter ends the way it begins, with the same plea. He says the same thing in verse 20 and 21, gives a little bit more, sheds a little bit more light on those questions, those profane and vain babblings. which some professing have erred. But he said, Timothy, keep that which is committed. Can you hear the heart of the Apostle Paul? Have a charge to keep. It's been committed to me. I'm, I'm committing it to you personally, Timothy. 
I've invested in you. He ends the letter the way he begins it. It's committed to thy trust. Timothy, you have a charge to keep. Every teenager, every child in the service tonight understands something. You have a charge to keep. Every young adult, you have a charge to keep. Every child of God, every member of Emmanuel Baptist Church, you have a charge to keep. Don't let the devil lie to you and say, well, if I don't, it doesn't matter. It matters. It matters. Because there was a spot that Timothy was supposed to fill, and there was a charge that only he was, he was going to be able to make. All of us have something that we are supposed to fill you know, I, I don't want to use myself as a personal illustration, but in this, in this case, it matters. Well, the last several years, I mean, I'm thankful to be your pastor. Many of you have expressed to me how a message the Lord's placed in my heart has changed your life. I've been by your side as you buried your loved one. I've Help pray for miracles. What if I rejected my charge? For some of you in here tonight, you'd be on your way to hell. Now, it doesn't mean I'm important. It just means there was something that I was supposed to do. If that's true of me, it's true of everybody in this room. It's true of everybody. Because we all have a charge to keep. Father, help us.